Welcome to the podcast, Crime Salad, where we talk true crime. I'm your host, Ashley, and with me always is my husband and partner in crime, Ricky. The purpose of this podcast is to honor the victims through ethical storytelling in the hopes of preventing future tragedies. We want our stories to resonate and educate others in hopes that some of these similar cases with identifiable patterns can be prevented. Now, before we jump in, please let us warn you that this is a true crime podcast. The details of this episode may be triggering to some listeners. Listener discretion advised. In September of 2017, Tyler Tessier was living a complicated life, but it was complicated by his own hands. For the better part of a decade, he was dating school teacher Laura Wallen, and their relationship was filled with ups and downs, and while the two repeatedly broke up, they always seemed to find their way back to each other. In June of 2017, Tyler and Laura once again reconciled their relationship. Unfortunately, despite his best intentions, Tyler's words were always meaningless. He was unable to fulfill the most basic of requirements for a boyfriend, which were to just simply show up, you know, like on special occasions. Yeah, he was a bit of a liar through and through. So let me fill you in on a time when Tyler just didn't show up. Tyler had committed to attending a wedding with Laura and even bought their plane tickets to Texas to attend the event together. His only requirement was that the two meet at the airport, but you guessed it, he failed to show up. Nonetheless, Laura decided to go alone, and while there, she promised her family that she was finally and truly done with him. However, he wasn't done with her. In a feeble attempt to fix things between them, he sent her an email on June 13th, 2017. And it stated, You have no idea what I put myself through and the amount of love and thought that I have put into you. Never in my life or anything have I ever worked so hard on something like I have us. I want to just be with you and not for anything else. I'm tired of fighting and always feel like my past is the reason for the shit in my life. I'm tired of you thinking I want to be with Chrissy. If I wanted to be with her, I would be, but I don't and I never will. So Chrissy was the elephant in the room, or rather, she was the other woman that Tyler also had a relationship with for the past seven years. In fact, Tyler and Chrissy had been living together since 2012, and she too was waiting on a ring and a proposal. For a very long time, Tyler had been living a double life. He had forbidden Laura from taking any photos with him or posting them on social media. And she wasn't allowed to use his name and had to refer to him as T or Cowboy. There were only two photos of them together in existence. And one of those photos, he was in a Halloween costume. So Tyler kept these women secret from each other. In fact, Tyler kept them both apart by making them enemies. He told Laura that Chrissy was crazy, obsessed, and insane, and he told her that Chrissy wasn't stable and was stalking him. In turn, he told Chrissy the same things about Laura, that she was insane, obsessed, stalking him, and schizophrenic. 
To sell it, he had his friends call each of the women pretending to be a police officer investigating the stalking and harassment claims by Tyler. And they each bought it. Why wouldn't they? Why would someone give them a call like that? Neither of the women ever realized that Tyler was a pathological liar. Later, the Montgomery County State Attorney, John McCarthy, would say about Tyler, quote, for Tyler, lying was like breathing, end quote. But Laura's gut instinct told her that something was wrong, and she knew that once again, she needed to end things between them. She replied back to his email and told him that she was saddened and brokenhearted over all his surprises that never materialized and his lack of follow through. Those stemmed from a conversation that Tyler had with her father, which was about two years ago in 2015, when he asked him for Laura's hand in marriage. Two years later, the proposal had never arrived. In her email back to Tyler, she stated, The meeting of people in your life, the seeing of where you work and live, and most importantly, the countless times you held a proposal that seemingly was something important to you over my head, only to rip it away at the last minute over six different occasions, beginning back in April of 2016 when I went on my first trip to Europe, then again in May, then again in July, then again in September, then again during the holidays, then again at my birthday, and then again this past week. I understand you wanted to make it memorable, but with so many instances where you have promised that you wanted to show me how much I meant to you, it has made me feel little, insignificant, and humiliated. It appeared from Laura's response that she was finally and truly done with Tyler, and if those were the times he didn't show up, what in the world was he doing? Her close family was relieved that the Tyler years were finally behind them. However, fate intervened a few weeks later when Laura discovered she was pregnant with Tyler's son, a little boy that she very much wanted and planned to name Reed. Laura contemplating on having a baby alone surrounded by her extended family who were very involved, but eventually she decided the right thing to do was to offer her cowboy the choice. She told him right away that she didn't expect anything from him and he shouldn't feel obligated to participate in her baby's life. However, it appeared that Tyler was finally ready to step up and be a husband to Laura and a father to their baby. Tyler was so excited that it began showing up to doctor appointments and ultrasound appointments. Of course, given his track record, Laura's family was still concerned. So on July 11th, 2017, Laura's father, Mark Wallen, texted Tyler. He asked if the two could meet to discuss his intentions with Laura and the baby. The two did meet two days later, and once again, Tyler showed up. In fact, he showed up with a ring in hand, which he showed to his future father-in-law. He said that this is the ring that he intended to propose with, and he was fully committed to following through this time, and he did just not with Laura. That very night, he proposed to Chrissy with the exact same ring he had shown to Laura's father. It's possible that Laura may have become aware of this news because eight weeks later, she began to have doubts again about Tyler's truthfulness. For that reason, she reached out to Chrissy Wagner via Facebook Messenger. She sent her a message on August 28, 2017. In the message, she stated, I realize this is pretty awkward, but 
if you wouldn't mind giving me a call, I'd really appreciate it. It's important that some things are cleared up, and I would imagine that if you were in my position, you would want some answers as well. By no means is this an attempt at confrontation, just looking for an explanation, woman to woman. Now we know that message went unanswered, and we also know it upset Chrissy who immediately reported it to Tyler. He responded back, like this day couldn't get any worse. Now that effing crazy bitch is trying to F with us again, I literally could kill her. Now this was six days before Laura Wallen disappeared. Later, police would discover that Chrissy and Tyler both went to the Montgomery County Police Department to find out how they could stop Laura from, quote, harassing them, unquote. They were told that the only way to do that was to file for a restraining order, which Chrissy was in favor of doing. But Tyler had another plan, and he didn't have long to complete it. The next weekend, which was Labor Day weekend, he was supposed to go out of town with Chrissy to pick up bridesmaid dresses. The morning he was supposed to leave, he faked a knee injury and said that he couldn't walk. Chrissy had to help him hobble to the couch. Tyler's boss was also out of town, and that meant that Tyler had access to his property, his vehicle, and access to his heavy machinery, including a skip loader, which is something you might see someone operating at a construction site to load and carry dirt. Now, just to remind you, Laura doesn't know anything about this restraining order or anything. She is led by Tyler to think everything is perfect. They are going to have a baby, and she feels like any day now he will propose, all while he is planning a wedding with another woman. For the long holiday weekend, Laura's parents wanted her to join them and her sister's family. Laura told them she couldn't go because Tyler told her that he had big plans for that weekend. It was supposed to be a multi-day event filled with surprises, and he told her not to tell anyone. But Laura and her sister and parents were extremely close, and they spoke or texted to each other daily. Laura, at four months pregnant, thought that this was her long-awaited marriage proposal. So it was a pretty big surprise on Saturday, September 3rd, when Laura sent her sister, Jen Cody, a text saying, Tyler has me on an adventure in the country. Don't know why I'm here, but it's for something. I'm waiting in a field. Jen asked her to send a photo, and she did. Then Jen asked her where it was located, but she wasn't sure. Tyler didn't want her to know the exact location because that too was a surprise. He told Laura it was Fredericks County, Maryland, but they were really in Montgomery County adjacent to where he worked. Jen asked him if he bought land or something, and she said she had no clue because she was waiting for him in the truck while he was out in the field talking on the phone. Jen was concerned and asked if everything was okay, and Laura said she was fine, and this was all a part of her surprise. It was clear that Laura thought this trip to a field was going to end in a proposal, but Jen had a bad feeling about it. Laura must have told Tyler that she was talking to her sister and had told her about the field. Later, police believe that text with her sister bought Laura one more day of life. Then Tyler texted Jen. It was the first text he ever texted her in 10 years of dating her sister. And he said, hey Jen, it's Tyler. Are you nervous for her? Jen responded with, yeah, she's in a field by herself in the rain, pregnant. So yeah, I'm wondering what's up. Tyler responded, she is good, I promise. 
I have a surprise for her. Later that night, Laura wasn't feeling well. Tyler had given her a milkshake he told her to drink because it would be good for her hair. It made her feel sick, so the two went to the store for seltzer to settle her stomach. And both of them can be seen on the store surveillance footage, and Tyler's leg has made a miraculous recovery. There isn't even a limp. The next day, Laura sent a text to her sister that didn't sound like her. In the text, she told her sister, There is so much emotion. I told Tyler to leave me alone. I don't know what to do. He is here now and I told him to leave his key. I am such a fool. Tyler has done so much to try and step up as a man. Jen, I have screwed this up so bad. Jen asked if she would call her so that they could discuss it, but the text continued. Laura allegedly texted, Tyler has been so caring and sweet, making plans to take care of me and the baby, but I'm such an idiot. I have been living a lie. I don't have the heart to tell him. I have made such a mess and I should have just owned up to my mistakes a long time ago. Mom and dad are going to be so disappointed and ashamed of me. I am like 95% sure Tyler is not the father. I had already felt like I had missed my period before we tried to work things out again. This is such a mess and I don't know what I was thinking. I'm probably going to lose my job over this. I was mad and hurt that it felt like revenge. Now I am making everything worse. I'm so sorry and I have hurt everyone. Tyler will never forgive me. If he tries to call you, please tell him he is a great guy because I know I really hurt his feelings. I have to try and get out in front of this before it gets too late. I am going to try and get a hold of Antoine. He deserves to know and I can't lie anymore to anyone. I am such a fool. Jen, I am so, so sorry. Now, there were several problems with this text. One, it didn't sound like Laura. Two, Jen knew that it was a lie. Three, it was filled with poor grammar and misspellings. And four, she spelled Antoine incorrectly, which she knew her sister would never do. She also knew that Antoine was someone her sister had briefly dated two years prior, and he now lives in Massachusetts, far from where Laura lived in Maryland. Now, after this text, Laura stopped communicating with anyone. Jen and her parents knew immediately that something was wrong and it wasn't going to turn out well. Now, that next day, one of Jen's Facebook friends named Courtney heard about Laura missing and reached out to Jen to say that she was praying for Laura's safe return. Jen messaged her back, asking her if she had talked to Tyler because she knew that Courtney was the only mutual Facebook friend Laura and Tyler both had. Courtney responded by asking if Laura and Tyler were still together. Jen told her that they had been back together for a few months. Then Courtney dropped a bombshell. She told Jen that she thought that Tyler and Chrissy were engaged. Then she said that she was beginning to think that Tyler was a huge liar. And just that night, he had texted Courtney saying he had heard that Laura had gone missing and it sounded scary. The next day, Laura, who had been named Teacher of the Year the year prior, had failed to show up to class. She didn't call in sick, and she didn't arrange a substitute teacher, which her work and her family both agreed this was something that Laura would never forget. Her job, and more importantly, her students, were always her priority. 
At the Wallen family's suggestion, police interviewed Tyler that Tuesday, September 6, 2017. In that interview, Tyler told investigators that he and Laura were solid. He stated that he loved her and the baby, and he couldn't wait to be a family. He gave them a different address and told them he lived with his parents in Montgomery County. He certainly didn't want investigators to know he was engaged to Chrissy and living with his fiancée. That Tuesday was one of three interviews that Tyler gave to the police, and it was one of his first versions of events. They asked him for the location of the field he had taken Laura to, and when they searched it, it didn't match up to her photo. In the meantime, police found Laura's wallet and car abandoned at an apartment complex across from the Columbia Mall. The car was backed into the space, and the front license plate was missing to make the identification more difficult. At this point, the police highly suspected that Tyler had done something to Laura, but they couldn't prove it. They wanted to keep him talking, and they didn't want him to know that he was a suspect. As a tactic, they asked Laura's family to treat him like a son and sit with him at the press conference where Laura's father would announce a $25,000 reward for her return. This was strategic, and the police even had certain members of the press ask Tyler prepared questions. Both Tyler's parents and Chrissy told him not to attend the conference, but he insisted that he needed to help the police out of a sense of duty. He also told them that he signed a paper that would allow him to lie to the public without any consequences in order to help lure Laura home. With the liar's detail, he also told them that the police had given him eye drops to appear like he was crying. He told them that the police had given him an earpiece and they were feeding him his lines. None of this was true. During the press conference, Tyler directly answered the specific questions. He was careful and selective with his word choices. He never said he loves her and he never mentioned any concern for his baby. Thank you all for uh, coming here. Um, Laura, if you're listening, doesn't matter what's happened, doesn't matter, doesn't matter what type of trouble, there's nothing we can't fix together, myself and your family. There's so many people, so many people that miss you. There's so many people that were out. We haven't slept, we haven't eaten, we're just looking and we're praying that you're safe and I'm asking to just let us know that you're safe. If somebody has her, please understand that you've taken away a huge, a huge person in so many people's lives. Friends and family and students that she has. I know what she means to me. I know what she means to everybody else. And we just want to know she's okay. We just want her back. She was uh, super excited for the uh, start of the school year. I know uh, she had talked to some her principal and her teachers, like her coworkers, about uh, um, her being pregnant and how excited she was and. Uh,
it's just a complete shock that I mean I think leading up to leading up to the weekend that she's missing I mean I don't I don't believe anybody has any uh, inclination to think that something was wrong or I'm sorry? Any of your last conversations with her? I, I don't know where she is. That's all. I don't know. Like, I don't... I know we're all trying to do everything we can to find her, and I just pray that I pray that she's safe and she comes back. That's all I care about right now. Laura and I have known each other probably for 10 years now. Um, we've, you know, any normal relationship, just take one step at a time and you take the progress that comes with you and been to doctor's meetings We've been sonograms and all the prenatal care that, you know, you could ask and Throughout that conference, Laura's mother had to hold Tyler's hand to show support and keep him participating. Her hands were shaking so bad that she had to use two hands to grip Tyler's hands. This shows her strength of character and the commitment to pretend to comfort the man you suspect of taking the life of your child and grandchild. Police called Tyler in again the next day, and this time they planned to confront him with new information. This time, he told investigators that he last saw Laura on Sunday when she broke up with him and asked for his key back. He insinuated that she had told him the baby wasn't his and she was going to be in a lot of trouble when the school discovered that she got pregnant by a student. By this time, police confronted him once again about his fiancée, Chrissy. He downplayed this relationship and said that he and Chrissy had broken up a while ago and it was on and off, but he was still in her life. After the press conference, police got a tip from a neighbor who knew Laura really well and she told him she had seen Tyler on many occasions. She told the police she saw both Laura and Tyler leaving at 8 a.m. Sunday morning in a white work truck that Tyler had driven previously. This prompted the police to contact Tyler's employer, Chris Stiles. So this is where police discover that his boss, Chris, was away that Labor Day weekend, and Tyler had full access to his property. When Laura had texted her sister that Tyler was on the phone in the field, that phone call was to his boss, Chris Stiles. Tyler called up Chris, asking for the combination to the gun safe where they kept the 22 rifles they used to humanely slaughter animals on the farm. And when police learned this information, they called Tyler back in one more time. 
This time, Tyler admitted to leaving Laura's car and wallet at the apartment complex across from the Columbia Mall. And he told investigators that Laura had asked him for his help in disappearing. She didn't want to be found because her baby could link her to a crime and she was too ashamed to face her family or the consequences. As the prosecutor would later say, lying was like breathing for Tyler. Police went out and searched Chris Stiles' property and the adjacent field. It's there that an officer on an ATV traveled up a 1.2 mile dirt road to a very hard to find field adjacent to the Stiles' farm. There were tracks from heavy commercial vehicles, such as a skip loader, leading up to the remote field where Tyler pretended that he was going to build a dream home for Laura and their baby. And there, on the disturbed ground, was a small patch of purple material exposed, waiting to be discovered. Laura Wallen had been found. She was buried on the same spot where she stood and took a photo of the beautiful field she sent to her sister. Her cause of death was one 22 caliber bullet wound to the back of the head, and it's likely that she never knew that she was in any danger. Maybe Tyler asked her to close her eyes for the surprise proposal she had been waiting on for two years, or maybe he asked her to gaze at the field where he pretended to want to build a life together. Then, when she least expected it, he shot her in the back of the head like a coward who couldn't face the consequences of his own lies. Tyler was immediately arrested for Laura Wallen's murder, where he continued on with his never-ending series of lies. And this time, he had one more story. He told officers that Laura became enraged and attacked him with a knife. He pushed her out of the way and she hit her head and died. He buried her because he thought that it would be easier for her parents to believe that she was missing rather than dead. Then, he sent the text to Laura's sister pretending that someone else was the father of her baby. When they asked why she had a gunshot in the back of her head, he took a deep breath, and out came the last lie he would tell until the day of the trial. He told investigators that he was worried he would bury her alive, so he humanely shot her in the back of the head. Almost one year later, on the morning of the trial, Tyler was woken up at 4.30 a.m. for breakfast. After breakfast, he had a 10-minute window of time to follow through with his plan, a plan he had thought about for a long time. He knew at trial all of his lies were going to be exposed to all of the people who still believed in him, and he couldn't allow this to happen. He had previously prepared five letters to his family, friends, and his fiancée. Then he hung himself with a bedsheet. Tyler thought that he could take his secrets to the grave, but he was wrong. The prosecutor's office, along with the Wallen family, gave a 90-minute press conference where they said, just as in life, Tyler once again had failed to show up and be held accountable. But this time, they were going to hold him accountable. They weren't going to let his lies die with him. They shared the entirety of the overwhelming evidence against Tyler Tessier and exposed his double life for everyone to see. Anyone who received one of those five letters filled with self-serving lies was going to know the true depravity of Tyler's soul. His acts of malice were shared with his family, friends, and the community at large. 
In the wake of this tragedy, the Wallen family worked very hard to pass legislation that would make it a crime to kill an unborn child before the age of viability, which by law is now 23 weeks gestation. And their fight for this paid off for Laura and their grandchild, Reed Wallen. On Monday, October 1st, 2019, Governor Larry Hogan signed into law Laura and Reed's law. This Maryland law will increase the sentence to 10 years for crimes and violence committed against a woman knowing that they are pregnant. On June 20th, 2020, pregnant mother Sheehan Miller and her three-year-old daughter, Cheyenne Gilmore, were found murdered, left inside a car. Devon Sample shot and killed them. He was charged with two counts of first-degree murder, and he was also charged with Laura and Reed's law. And that completes this week's episode. Thanks so much for listening. It's listeners like you that make this podcast happen. And we would like to shout out our newest additions to our Crime Salad crew. We have Olivia, Jamie, and Anne. Thanks for becoming a patron. Enjoy the ad-free listens. Please subscribe wherever you're listening so you don't miss an episode. Follow us on social media. We mostly use TikTok and Instagram at Crime Salad Podcast. And if you're feeling some kind of way, hopefully good, you can write us a healthy review. You know, if you're enjoying the show, it helps us grow. And join us on the next episode of Crime Salad, where we explore a case of life imitating art. Romance writer Nancy Brophy wrote an essay on how to get away with murdering your husband. It's some shocking stuff, and we will see you then. 